Welcome. Glad that you are here today. Uh, on the way into all of our sanctuaries, you'll be handed the notes. And if you've got those, go ahead and get them out. While you do that, let me welcome all of our campuses, Lone Tree, Castle Rock, Highlands Ranch, Lakewood, those that live stream us and are listening right now, and those that'll uh, end up later on uh, through DVD, CD, uh, podcast, however you end up being a part of the greater JFC family, we want to welcome you, and thanks for being a part of this with us today. Uh, we're in a series called Obey. In just a moment, we'll jump into part two, just like you heard uh, during the announcements right there. I've just got one uh, piece of housekeeping information that I want to get across to you uh, tomorrow, uh, which will be February the 9th. Uh, we're going to have a meeting, uh, an interest meeting for those who would like to go to Israel uh, this year. So September, at the triple B, September the 4th uh, through, I am looking at, it's in small print, uh, I'm sorry, it will be September the 4th through the 15th. And if you are interested in uh, making the trip this year, here's what we'll do. Tomorrow at the Lone Tree Campus, 5 o'clock, we'll have an informational meeting. I'll go over the itinerary. I'll go over um, payments. I'll go over how we break it down. I'll go over the whole, all the questions that you could possibly have about it. But if you have it in your heart that you'd like to go, what we're trying to do is see if we have enough people to make it possible to pull it off in 2014. It takes a minimum of 40 people to make the trip happen. So if we have enough uh, to do it in this off year, we would love to go back to Israel and, uh, and to make that uh, possible. Um, and if you have it in your heart that you'd like to go, sometimes what I tell people is the best uh, way to do it is to come, listen, see what the Holy Spirit says to you. If you hear it in your heart, God tells you it'll happen. That's, that's a for sure. If it's just like, maybe it's not for this year, maybe it's for another time, that's fine too. But uh, come and be a part of it. You might just find that God's uh, drawn you there. The more and more people we take there, the more and more people would convince you it is the trip of a lifetime. So, okay, enough of that. Our series is called Obey. If you look under the intro, welcome everybody here to it. Here's, uh, in a nutshell, what we're trying to teach on. It's the idea of being whole and healthy in mind, spirit, and body. Whole and healthy in mind, spirit, and body. Real quick, how many of you were not around last weekend to hear anything that we taught? Let me just see real quick. Okay, there's a few of you. As a bridge to the message, uh, I'll just do this very fast. We're not teaching some Eastern philosophical type message of mind over matter or uh, uh, some type of a, uh, a mysticism where, where, whereby we're trying to magically uh, bring the three things together so that you're, you're centered and your mind is balanced. That's not what we're teaching at all. We're teaching the Christian philosophy that simply God made you up of those three parts, a mind, a spirit, and a body. And that if one of the two, get, or the three, get out of balance, it affects the other two. It's just as simple as that. And we went through some examples uh, uh, last time. But I, I would just throw it out to you again uh, this way. Physically, if you get tired and you are physically worn out, uh, how does that affect your prayer life? I bet you don't feel much like praying. And I bet the prayers that you do pray are not very faith-filled prayers. And once that happens, then it affects your mental outlook on life. And you can reverse that order in any way that you want to. For instance, if you're under stress, how does it make you feel physically? You recognize today you can't hardly read in the newspaper in any given week that science today has not understood and connected the fact that mind, body, and spirit work with each other, not against each other. And that a healthy person, how about this? 
even doctors who are not believers now tout the benefit of prayer in helping people heal quickly. It, it, you cannot miss that. You cannot, cannot uh, ignore that. It is a true fact, and it is out there. So we just simply are taking that philosophy and saying, okay, God wants us to be healthy, mind, spirit, and body. And so we're looking at how we do that. Now, uh, we're going to go this direction. I found a scripture right here that I will share. Last week, I used one that talked about mind, spirit, and body. Here's one again. This is Jesus. He's asked, which is the greatest commandment of all? What's the greatest commandment of all? Uh, some of you are ahead of me. You know what it was. But Jesus answers the question this way. Love the Lord your God, and then he gives us how we're to love God. With all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. Now, the Lord uses two words to describe spirit here, but it's still the same understanding that we're made up of three parts, and Jesus himself is teaching we're to love God with all three of the parts that he's made us up with. So it's not some weird idea or some idea that's out there. This is biblical teaching. Now, today, under the transition point, we're going to talk about the body a little bit. We're going to get into the body. We're going we're to discuss this. And I put down in the note right below that, here's, here's the deal. When we were uh, in our teaching team this week, and we're writing the message, and we're discussing how is this going to go, uh, Evan made this astute observation. Evan, Evan said, John, this is either going to be 40 minutes about getting in shape. Who's excited? <laughs> well, a few of you. Yeah, I knew there would be. I, I knew there would be. Uh, how many are like me, and you're like, where's the exit? Yeah, all right. So, uh, so it's either going to be 40 minutes uh, trying to convince you that you need to work out, or it's going to be 40 minutes teaching you how to be a steward over your life. Notice the difference between the two. Evan, it was brilliant thinking. Because the truth of the matter is, a message like this, here's the problem with a series like this, it easily at any point could turn into a message that we begin to tout uh, some type of, um, you know, uh, uh, a legalism with it or, or a, 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 a workout list that is good for some but will not be equal across the board for everyone. And in fact, last week when I ended up the message, I put out a couple of goals for myself. And, and even when I said carefully what my goal was, it's been repeated back to me so many times wrong. Here's what I said at the end of the message. Because of the cross, I can be self-controlled. And I will, I said, be healthy. Be healthy. But everybody that I've run into this week, especially if I was eating when I ran into them. This is what they said to me. I thought you said you were going to lose weight. And I never said that. Never. I never. I chose my words so carefully so that that couldn't happen. I will be healthy. What I will eat will be healthy. And, and so you can imagine a message like this easily. People have their own, own ideas, philosophies, thoughts. What does it mean? How do we do it? Well, here, here's, the, here's the crux right here. It could be a message where for the next 40 minutes, we, we try to convince you to work out. Or for the next 40 minutes, we try to teach you about stewardship. Now, I think one of the best examples we have in our church of the difference between self-discipline, self-control, how one is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, and one is an act of the flesh, and uh, what the difference between the two. It's not just semantics. There is a major difference. A pastor we have on staff that has experienced that in his life in the last couple of years is Terry Hilders. 
Terry's half the man he used to be. <laughs> so here, here's what I thought. When we were putting our message together this week, uh, Terry, Terry really had some good insight on, on the idea of, um, of, of the body. Uh, not just the idea of, of uh, um, you know, getting in shape, working out, things like that, but of the difference between uh, self-control and self-discipline. And how that he tried for a long time with self-discipline to find it failing in his life. And then to have the Lord in a, uh, a miraculous way move with self-control. And the fruit that came from that in so many different areas. So I invited Terry to, to spend about five minutes talking uh, to us about that. So do me a favor, welcome Terry up here right now. I think you'll appreciate this. Thank you, Pastor. Well, uh, it all started about four years ago when the Lord began to speak to my heart about living a healthier life over the years. Life, as you know, just pushes you uh, outside of that health, just if you like food and like not exercising, which <laughs> I didn't like either. I liked food, I didn't like exercising. And I just kind of said, okay, great, God, we're going to do this. And I tried diet, and it failed miserably. So for two years, I just kept saying, I I've got to do this. And uh, it just, it, I just kept gaining weight. And ended 2012, close to 280 pounds, miserable, uh, just everything that goes with being overweight and unhealthy. And so uh, at the end of that year, the Lord just spoke to me and said, let's do it my way. And uh, I just didn't understand what that meant, but I felt like the Lord was doing something in my life that was different than anything that I had tried. And so end of the year, started 2012, got up on a Monday morning, I think it was January the 2nd, might have been somewhere right there, and I had this uh, uh, membership to a health club for a year. <laughs> I went all some total maybe 10 times in a whole year. That ticked me off anyway because I was paying for it. But, uh, uh, and I kept trying, and I kept, I kept wanting, but that morning, in, in obedience to the Lord, knowing that God had said something to my heart, to my spirit that was different, I got up. I got to the gym, I worked out for 20 whole minutes and about died, and yet I had a strength that I had never been able to develop in my own ability. I began to eat healthy every day. Brent and I began to fix good healthy meals, and for me, coming into that year saying no to junk food and, and, and not good food was just easy. And I want to give God the glory. I didn't do anything but obey God. And when I did that, I had the benefit of beginning to just shed pounds, feel better, all the things that come with getting healthy. And the weight just kept coming off, and my faith kept growing, and I just started living a life that was different. If that was the end of the story, that would have been great. I would have, I would have taken that any day. But what I didn't expect God to do in my life that was different is that when I was obedient in that area of my body and my health, God began to topple all sorts of areas that were strongholds in my life that I didn't know that I was wrestling with in the same way. I had, uh, in, the, in the mind, I had things that I was thinking about that were struggles and how I perceived myself, how I perceived my job here, how I thought John saw me, all sorts of things there. And I'm sitting there one day, and the Lord just lifted that fear. The next thing that fell was uh, our marriage was good, but God began to speak to me about being obedient to a couple areas in my marriage. And I just got face down on the carpet and said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And God gave me things to do. And I started living that out and literally changed my marriage. Brennan and I have enjoyed the best two years of marriage we've ever had. 
all those as a result of being obedient in one area. And I'm passionate about this because I know that it was what God has done. Here's the thing. Krispy Kreme. Anybody here like Krispy Kreme? <laughs> Let me tell you the difference. I would go there. I'd get donuts for our tech team on the Sunday mornings when they'd come work. I would go in, and that hot and fresh sign was there. And when that's there, they give you a free donut if you buy a dozen. I could never say no. Even if I was in the middle of the diet, she'd wave that, hey, a donut. And I'm like, I know I shouldn't. I know I can't. Yes, I'll take it. And, and it was just, just like drugs, you know, just popping that down. And so at the beginning of 2012, I still had to go get donuts. And I walked in there, and all of a sudden, she offers that donut. And I could easily say, no, I'm good. I'm good. And, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I went out in my car when that happened and said, God, thank you so much. This is what you did in me. I didn't have the discipline. I didn't have the ability. And I'm so excited about what God can do in this series because I know that all of us here, there's some big boulder in our life that we're stuck with. And if you'll obey God, if you'll take a step of faith and obey God, I believe he's going to give you the fruit of that obedience. And you're going to be living a different life. And I'm so excited about that. Can I say one thing about the small groups real quick? Please obey God. Please get involved with one of these groups. They are going to be a key in helping you change what's going on in your life. Go to the website. Sign up today. It will really be important for you to experience that. Thank you, Pastor John. Thanks, Terry. Great job. <clears throat> you know, a couple of things that Terry said that I think are, are, are worthy of just uh, uh, filtering out of there. Um, you, you have an individual, Terry... Um, you know, Terry played sports uh, in, in high school and college. Terry was an individual who was, uh, had always uh, been in shape. It was later in life that it began to, to get to him. And he would try over and over again with the, with the I, I know I need to do this. I know I need to, I, I've got to do this. But he would find himself failing over and over again. Here, here's what I would equate that to. The Bible is quick and, and uh, easily understood when it says flesh always fails. Flesh is not spirit. Spirit is not flesh. Flesh does not turn into spirit. And spirit does not turn into flesh. What begins in the flesh is doomed to fail. Now, we always think, I think, in terms of flesh being some sinful thing. It's not. But when it's made up of the things that are fallen, it's not the thing you want to try to exalt in your life. So, for instance, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, mercy, gentleness. Remember the last one? Self-control. The difference between self-discipline and self-control, it sounds like semantics only. Here's the difference. One is the grace of God operating in your life, and the other one is you trying to do it in your willpower. So Now, are some people better at willpower than others? Give that to you across the board, but I still say ultimately willpower fails. And here is what Terry said that I think if you didn't catch this, you missed it all. While Terry had God begin to operate in this one area of his life when he was just obedient to God to get up and do what God told him to do, what he found was the fruit of the Holy Spirit started operating in all of these different areas. So that it wasn't just in his body that he found this happening. All of a sudden, his, his relationship with me, Terry, it almost overnight changed, didn't it? God delivered Terry of something that, I mean, it was, it was dramatic and it was fast. His marriage changed. And he just said he had a good, man's been married 40 years. 
You can't be married to that woman and not have a good marriage. Look. <laughs> but he now has what he would consider to be a great marriage. And we know the inside story that it's true, not just talk. It was not what he was even aiming at in the situation. But through obedience, God gives fruit in so many areas of our lives. That's why the message is not about, okay, for 40 minutes, let me convince you to, to work out or let me convince you, in this case, to, to take care of your body. It really is an opportunity to teach you obedience, to teach you stewardship, to teach you how to hear from God. If you do that, the work of God, the grace of God goes to work in your life. Here's what grace means. It's God's work in you. Do you know how much easier life is when God's doing the work in you rather than you trying to do the work? God, the deal that God offers us is that why in the world would we put up one more day trying to do it ourselves? All he's looking for is obedience. All right, so in your notes, here's, here's three things that I wrote down, that uh, three thoughts that we can just jump into with the idea of, of stewardship. Number one, see if you can agree with these three statements. Uh, all we have belongs to God, and we are his stewards. Now, if you're a believer, that should not be a difficult one for you. Uh, if you have settled the lordship issue of life, where you've bowed your knee to Christ, you're not just like, okay, uh, born again, going to heaven, but you've solved the lordship issue. Uh, he is, he sits on the throne of my life. I've given the authority to him in my life. He, he is my everything. Then you get, you are a steward. Everything you have belongs to God, and what God has given to you, he has put you over to take care of because it's all eventually going back to him. So number one, all we have belongs to God, and we are his stewards. Number two, pay attention to this. All, everyone, whether you get that you're a steward or not, whether you're a believer or not, this is a true statement. All people will give an answer for what they've been given. And last but not least, think about this. If you have to give an answer over what you've been given, your body, your marriage, your relationships, money, people, places, things, whatever. Whatever is within your authority, whatever you have sway or influence over, whatever you, you are able to touch, it's from God and you're his steward. You're going to give an answer for what he's given you. Last but not least, think about this. How do you feel about the answer that you're going to give God? Do you feel good about what you will say when you answer for your relationships? When you answer for your money? When you answer for your body? When you answer for your time? You're awful quiet on me right now. A steward, by definition, is a person who simply watches over or takes care of or has been given authority over something. So all people in this room, all people, all we have belongs to God, and we are his caretakers. Every person will give an answer for what they've been given, and how do you feel about the answer 
that you're going to have to give. When I was studying this week, a familiar verse of scripture that we teach from often, it's one of my favorite verses. I'm really into the idea of having your mind renewed. Here's why. The Bible says when a person's mind's renewed, they're able to know the will of God, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Until a mind is renewed, we tend to think of God's will as being harsh or irregular or maybe even out to get us. But once your mind is renewed, you begin to understand how God thinks about you. One of the things that believers need to have their mind renewed in is the way we believe God thinks about us. Many times we think that God is against us, out to get us, or that he has some type of a hoop that he wants us to jump through in order to pre-qualify for his blessing. One of the major things that needs renewed in a believer's mind is the way they think or understand about how God thinks about them. You know, I, I teach this from time to time. We live for or from our Father's smile, and the difference is far more than the semantic of for and from. When you live from his smile, you're free, you're released, you already have it. It produces in you a confidence and an ability to go forward and to not be hesitant in life. When you're living for his smile, you're very hesitant, you're very worried, you're very much trying to earn the approval of God, aren't you? Wow. I get totally the idea of having the renewed mind. We find that scripture in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Paul writes these words, and we've taught from this time after time after time. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be, what's the word? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, and then here it says it, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. How do we know that? We have to have our minds renewed and our minds are renewed by being transformed now interestingly enough i've taught this a lot let me see if you remember it when the bible is written it's not written one verse at a time they are letters that were written entire uh, sometimes very long letters but in order to allow people to be taught it and to be able to turn and find places where it's being taught from it was broken then into chapters and verses. And what happens is we have people go to a verse rather than to a letter, and they'll read out of an entire context a particular verse, thinking that they have all of the truth in one verse, and that's not always a healthy way to understand the Bible. It's sort of being a half-verse person. So let me, let me give you an explanation of that and, a, and an idea. There, there's a really neat scripture in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says this, all things work together for good. You ever heard that verse? You ever quote that? All things work together for good. Gosh, something goes wrong and we tell ourselves or somebody else, don't worry about it. All things work together for good. But the rest of the verse says, for those who love the Lord and are called according to us. So who does it go good for? For those who love the Lord. If you just tell somebody all things work together for good, you're actually not telling them the truth. Yeah. All things work together for good to them that know and love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. All right, Romans 12, 2 is the exact same. We stand up here, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But there are other verses that connect to that verse that make it work. 
So for instance, verse 1 in Romans reads this way. Look at this right here. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your what? Bodies. One more time. Offer your as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Get this. Do not conform then any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let me submit this to you. Is it possible that unless you submit this physical body, you can't get a renewed mind? And how many times do we just automatically go to Romans 12 too and teach on how to have a renewed mind without ever dealing with the physical body? And then you're a half-verse person. Back to Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good. Of course, that sounds so good. Somebody's going through a hard time. Somebody's had, had some financial reversal or, or a, a spouse that's done something crazy or a, a bad doctor report. So we try to cheer them up. All things work together for good. That's half true. All things work together for good to them that know and love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Back to Romans 12, 2. Have your minds renewed. But before you do that, Submit your body to God. Be obedient to God with your body. No longer be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Does that make sense to anybody? Look at me. I have read this. I have taught this. My goodness, I, I made the statement that this, this sounds weird to me, but I'm, I'm going to, in the next couple of years, it will be true that I've been teaching 30 years. That sounds old. <laughs> that sounds like some old coot that stands up and says, I've been teaching for 30 years. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many times I have taught no longer be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing, because I know the power of having a renewed mind and I never connected it with the first verse, which is submit your bodies to the Lord first, and then you can have a renewed mind. How about this? What if you can't get the renewed mind? What if they're all interconnected, mind, spirit, and body like we're teaching, so that if you're trying to do one without doing the others, you're way out of balance? What if you hear messages on a renewed mind and year after year after year, you can't get it to happen to you? Could it be that God is not powerless or that you're not listening? What if you're not getting the whole truth that you've got to do all of it? You've got to submit your body and then have your mind transformed. I just told you something that was really better than your response to me. So I'm going to act like you gave me a better response than you did. Okay, so, so um, let, me, let me do this. Probably, um, uh, when was it? Sometime in October, late October, first part of November, um, 
I, when I, I was teaching um, on going through difficulties, and I taught on the word therefore. Does anybody remember me doing that? A few of you. Okay, there was a trick to the word therefore. Can anybody tell me what I taught? So when you see the word therefore, what are you supposed to do? You've got to read the verse before. Therefore is always a connecting verse. If you ever read the word therefore, don't just start there and keep going forward. You guys learn good. I'm, I feel like a good teacher. <laughs> I feel like I've been teaching 30 years. Uh, <laughs> so if you ever read the word therefore, always go to the verse before it because that's where the con there, therefore is a, is a bridge word. You never want to start there. You always want to back up one verse to get the context of it. All right, so here's what we're teaching, that God wants us to be healthy and whole in our mind, spirit, and body. Romans 12.1 says to submit your body. Romans 12.2 says to have your mind renewed. All right, the verse before 12.1 is 11, chapter 11, verse 36 Look at this. Remember it said, therefore, here's the connecting verse before therefore. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. What did we just, what did Terry just come up here and say, what are we saying right now? That everything has to be done in obedience to God so that God's grace then can act in your life when you're obedient. So here's what the Bible says before it, before submit your body, before have your mind renewed, get this understanding. Everything, everything is from him, through him, and to him. Everything is from him, through him, and to him. You are a steward. Everything you have belongs to who? Everything. Everything you have, you're going to give an answer for. How do you feel about the answer you're going to give for this? How do you feel about the answer you're going to give for this? I think it's a pretty good message. How do you feel about the answer you're going to give for your marriage? How do you feel about the message you'll give for your spiritual life? How do you feel about the message uh, of, of what you'll answer about what you did in your church? Isn't it easier to go through life not feeling like a steward? It's kind of like, I, you know, because I'm not responsible for anything. Wrong. You're his steward, and everything he has, he's put in your hand. If you ask God to bless you, here's what you're ask, actually asking him to do. Put more in my hand that I can do things for you with. Let me try that over here with somebody who gets it. If you ask God, how many of you pray for God to bless you? Do you want God's blessing? Some of you aren't sure anymore. You're like, nah, I'm not committing myself to this at all. You're in one of those arguing lawyer moods right now, so I don't know. If you're asking God to bless you and to increase you, here's what you're actually saying to him. God, put more in my hands so I can do more for the kingdom of God. If your idea of being blessed is just for you to consume, 
You're not a steward, you're a consumer. Somebody goes, well, is there anything wrong with that? Yeah. That's not why God put you on the earth. I'd, I'd love to have a few more people be excited about that. I just <laughs> would do my heart good. What if I said that? I know what happened. You didn't understand what I was saying. So let me try it one more time. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let me, let me show you the stewardship principle from Scripture. Jesus, uh, throughout the Gospels, taught many different places about being a steward. About, uh, sometimes he used the word servant, and sometimes he used the word overseer. Sometimes he used the word steward. Um, Manager, he used the word manager, it all meant the same thing. Christ just clearly, throughout Scripture, taught over and over and over again that his people are his stewards. It's, a, it's not a foreign concept. This is, this is as simple biblical understanding as it gets, quite honestly. How about the reason, if it seems forward to you, um, I would say that the reason it could seem foreign to, you, foreign to you is that a lot of the teaching in Western church today is consumerism and not stewardship. Much of, much of what's taught about giving is giving to get. Do you agree with that statement? And, and certainly, here, here's, the, here's the thing. It is true that when you give, you can't outgive God. God does give. Uh, when you sow, you reap. That's a true statement. But the difference is the heart of the person, isn't it? Because if the, the, the motivation and the idea behind that is, I'm just doing this so that I can get, 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 get. Not so that I can be a blessing then you, you have a very me, selfish-centered gospel, and it's the very opposite of the heart of Christ in the gospel. Do you agree with that? All right, so, so here, the stewardship principle then just works simply this way. Uh, Luke chapter 12, this is just one of multiple examples that Jesus is teaching. Uh, 42 through 44, uh, Jesus is asked a question about stewardship, about having who's the greatest, Who, who's, who's the one? And the Lord answered, who then is the faithful and wise manager? But you could put the word steward in there, and it's the exact same word. So who then is the faithful and wise steward whom the master puts in charge of his other servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. So when Jesus says, it will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns, what is he talking about right there? Here's Very simply, the one who is being a good steward with what's been put in his hand. It will be good for that person 
when Jesus returns and finds his people being good stewards with what they've been given. Now, I cut it out for time's sake and room's sake. The next verse goes on to say that the ones who are not being good stewards with what they've been given will have what they have been given taken away from them. That's pretty stiff right there. And those are scriptures we don't like to teach from or pay attention to, but that's Jesus himself teaching. Who's it going to be good for? Who's it going to go well with? The stewards who get stewardship and who treat what's been given them as though they were stewards so they can answer the question well. God, here's what I've done with what you've given me. As opposed to when he shows up. And here's how he says it. If the steward had known what time the master was going to return, he would have become a good steward. But because the master was a long time in coming, he began to be abusive towards the things that were in his hands. He didn't pay attention. He didn't take care. He didn't watch over. He got sloppy with. It will be good for that servant, that steward, to let his master find him doing what he's supposed to be doing. Does that make sense? Look at me. If you're a believer, here's, here's what Jesus said. If you love me, keep my commands. We love the grace of God and the mercy of God, and rightfully so, but it doesn't negate that we are also stewards of God and that we need to be listening and doing what he tells us to do so that we can give an answer. Now, now, is this a heaven and hell issue? No. No, no, no. Let me read a scripture to you and then we will close with communion and another deal that we have. This is Revelations chapter 20 verse 11. Now listen to this. Remember, we're stewards. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it from whose presence the earth and heaven fled away from. No place was found for them to hide. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne the books were opened, and then a second book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books, plural, not singular, not one book, two books, according to their deeds. If your name is written in the Lamb's book of life because you believe in Christ and accept the work of Christ, and trust God's work for your salvation, you are going to heaven regardless of how good of a steward you are. But you will be rewarded on how good of a steward you are, on how obedient you were, on what you did with what you were given in this life. And somebody would sit there and think, as long as I make it to heaven, that's all that matters. No. You want to make it to heaven with the Lord telling you, well done, good and faithful steward. Same word. Well done, 
good and faithful steward. Not, hey, you made it in by the skin of your teeth. <laughs> True. Do you hear me? You know who teaches a message like this? A pastor. A pastor who cares for your soul. A pastor who's not running a popularity contest. Not some speaker who comes in and out trying to give you some A-plus message where you just say, wow, what a great speaker. This is a pastor's heart trying to pastor and shepherd people right now. Here's what will matter to you more than anything else on that day. To hear the Lord tell you, well done, good and faithful servant. So what do you do with this message? Be obedient. What would God have you do with it? So I only touched on maybe half a dozen different areas that you're a steward on. There's probably 200 things that we're stewards over in our life or more. What would God say to you about those areas? Everything you have is from God. You'll give an answer. How do you feel if you had to give an answer today? It's a legitimate question. So we come to the end of our message and we will do business. Let me do these two things. The first one the reason we wanted to do communion this way, we're talking about the body. Now, there's the understanding that we're individual body, but that we are also the body of Christ, right? Yeah. And we do these things together. Paul taught that if one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. And if the body does good, all of it does good together. So because Christ gave his body... For us, we're going to take this together and be partakers and sharers together. We're going to be good stewards with the corporate body. So I want you to peel the top part back and grab that little wafer and then peel the second part back and open up the juice. Don't eat it or drink it yet. Let's do it together as one body. The Bible said on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, he blessed it, he gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body which is broken for you. He said, every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Right now, every one of us who trust Christ who believe in Christ, it's a chance just to simply renew the promises of God back to us again. Everyone in this room needs the grace and the mercy of God operating in their life. Amen? Amen. That's what this is. It's the proof that God offers us His grace again. There's room at His table today. And if you need more of His mercy in your life, take as much as you need right now because it'll never run out. Let's eat this together. The Bible says, in the same manner, he took the cup. 
when they had finished eating, he lifted it to heaven. He said, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Blood is eternal. Blood is a covenant that's not broken. This covenant, we again remind ourselves that we are blessed and not cursed. That we're the head, not the tail, above and not beneath because of what Jesus has done for us. And as a body, as a body, we thank the Lord. We're the bride. He's the bridegroom. We anticipate and wait for him to return for us. Let's take and drink together. As a group, we look forward to his return. And then there is this that we want to direct you to in your response time today. One of the ways to be able to receive things in the body is through prayer. Sometimes our bodies need to be healed. And the Bible tells us to lay hands on each other and to pray. Sometimes our minds just simply are plagued and we need to be delivered. And Jesus came to deliver us and to set us free. He came to bind up those who are brokenhearted. He came to open the eyes of the blind. He came to bring the Holy Spirit to those that so desperately need Him. One of the ways that we facilitate that is that we pray. We ask God to hear our prayers. We pray for each other. So we're going to do two different things tonight and invite you in our corporate response to do this. Around our sanctuaries at our different campuses, you're going to find people wearing uh, just, it's just a, a, a little uh, sign that'll say prayer on it. It's a lanyard with a, a, a little plastic sign. It'll just say prayer. If you see that, those are people that we've designated for you to be able to go to them and receive prayer if you need it. So if it's physical or emotional or spiritual, we believe that the Lord could use this as an opportunity to touch your body. We also believe in body ministry in that in your row, maybe you're there with your family, maybe you're there with your friends, you don't have to step out and go to anybody, you can grab the hand of your friend. You could put your hand on your wife's shoulder, or ma'am, you, you could just simply grab your husband's hand and begin to pray for each other, and it can take place right in the row right there. But it's one of the areas where we normally, we do communion or the crosses or are the candles, but we seldom use the focus of prayer being the response to God. And we felt like that's what God would have us do today. So if you want someone to pray for you, look for the person wearing the lanyard and go there. If you just want to pray in your row for your family or your friends or have someone pray for you, then just go ahead and feel free to pray for the folks that are in the row right there or even around you you know them or feel comfortable enough to do it, we want to release you to be able to do that. Why don't you go ahead and stand to your feet right now, and as our worship pastors take us into this song, allow this to be the focus and the way that you respond to God. Use the prayer. If you feel like, I don't, uh, I don't feel led to do either of those things, then just worship the Lord, and our worship pastors will give you some direction, and we'll dismiss you in just a couple of minutes.